Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. It is part of an ancient tradition. Old as civilization itself. The clash of swords. The roar of the crowd. From great distances they have been summoned. The finest Dota teams that the game has ever known. Destined to battle at the International. Sixteen teams will wage war for their piece of the largest prize pool in the history of competitive gaming. The eyes of the world turn to the International's new home of Key Arena. Those about to clash prepare themselves for the trials to come. Who will emerge victorious? The battle begins. Hey guys. Hi. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And welcome to the Lucky 10,000, the show that proves you can geek out about anything, but you can also learn even more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, But today, before we get hardcore into the episode, Carissa has something she would like to make sure you all know about. We're all the Lucky 10,000 today. I'm so excited. Okay, so this is my hype because next Saturday starts the group play-in stage for the Dota 2 International 5. This is the largest esports event in history. This year, the prize pool is up to nearly 17 million, and there are 16 teams going to compete for some chunk of that 17 million dollars. I'm like ridiculously excited. I'm fangirly giddy excited yeah i so for those of you who don't know dota 2 is an online uh sort of group combat role play game if you listen to the show at all you know we've talked about it before and yeah, we're talking a... about an actual professional tournament and it, it yes it, it will be televised last year espn 2 had the finals i'm not sure what the plans for televisation are this year but it okay. will be playing on twitch tv okay Valve, which is the company that puts out Dota 2 and sponsors the International, they have several channels on Twitch TV that stream all of the games. So you know how some people, and I still don't to this day understand it, but even people that don't necessarily like golf when the Masters tournaments start will not move from their chairs for yes. the whole weekend it's on. This is yep. your Masters. Basically, it's our Wimbledon, it's our Super Bowl, it's all of that. Nice, with wizards and death hags and shit. Yeah, hell yeah. So you actually get to watch these groups play, and I'm assuming there are elimination rounds, and it all comes down to two groups, correct? Yes, two teams of five. Nice. And they are some of the most exciting games. This year we've got some really excellent established teams and some incredibly exciting up-and-coming teams. Because the Dota scene is split up into four different geographical sections okay basically there's north american dota which is now actually starting to include some of south america so america's dota um fuck yeah european dota russian dota and well god now there's there's so there's five chinese dota and the southeast asia region dota so like malaysia 
and the Philippines. Okay. And each of those regions of the globe play the game very slightly differently, kind of consistently within their regions. Right. But differently from the other regions. Their strategies are different. And, you know, after you talked about it on our gaming episode, I did start to play it. And I can't tell you it's exactly my thing. But I did see what the appeal is. It is very much a team strategy game. I mean, but, it, but the the cool part about it is it's a team strategy game in the world of where you've got all these great creatures and everybody has different abilities. And it's not a first person shoot. It reminded me of Diablo a lot. Okay. But it's imagine a, 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 an updated better version of Diablo where it's a team sport and you have to employ strategy to defeat waves of enemies. Well, it's not terribly surprising since the original Dota was a mod of Warcraft 3, which is a Blizzard game just like Diablo. So when does the tournament actually begin? The weekend of the 25th, so it should Uh be just a few days after this airs, and the actual final rounds are the August second whoa <laughs> so what is this like a once a week thing that you'll get to watch the tournaments or does this start oh, no it's no just no a, it's just constant... like every day oh my god i mean they're because they're best at first it's eight the schedule hasn't been totally solidified yet so this is kind right. of best guess at this point um, right. me doing the math in my head somebody who knows more about it than i do will be like no you're totally wrong it's more than that but from my How understanding, dare you call yourself a fan? Right. Uh, it'll be like eight best of three matches. Okay. And the winners of those matches will move on to their four best of three matches. And then from there, it'll break off into winner's bracket and loser's bracket best of three matches. Okay. So it's double elimination up through the semifinals. Wow. So all of those 16 teams, except the very first ones eliminated... Uh, we'll play m- multiple times until we get down to the finals. Awesome. Bringing all of these teams from all around the world who don't normally play against one another that frequently. Um, most of the tournaments are within region. Like occasionally right. you'll get Europe and Russia will play or sure. Europe and America will play or a couple teams from each section of the global play together. But having this many teams from this many places all in one place for so much money it's it's astounding and there are people who really don't follow dota but have some other association with professional gaming like they play league of legends or yeah uh, they play counter-strike or something because this is such a big deal no other game no other tournament has this kind of prize pool I, i can't think of anything like that in history no i mean there are professional game like not games, sports, professional sports, major tournaments that don't pay out this much money. Well, you haven't lived until you've seen professional squash. I bet. Maybe they deserve that much. Maybe. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm just really excited. And part of my excitement is also that I love to uh, watch the games and hear the professional casters. Yeah. The, the broadcasters who commentate the games. They're, some of them are just amazing, and I'm a little fangirly about a few of them, and they're going to be there. Well, well, and well. Really excited. It, does so, your whole household camp out for the whole week and watch them? Uh, Yeah. Nice. Do people, yeah. like, request off work? <laughs> oh, lots of them do, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Well, 
you are so excited. I am genuinely excited for you, and I might even try and tune in while it's running. And um, I'll tell you, for you and people like you who just think it sounds interesting but don't actually know anything about playing Dota, last well, year they introduced I know it. a little bit. I almost yeah. finished all the training. Yeah. So you don't know anything about Dota. Last year they introduced it, and they're going to redo it again this year. They run three separate channels, and then okay. those are for the main casts. And then they have what they call the noob stream. Oh. Where one of the games that's being played is uh, like mirrored on this other stream. So it's casting at the same time. You're watching the same game that everybody else is watching. But the casters are talking about it not like you already know what's going on. Right. Because you can easily get lost in the play-by-play because you have no idea what the jargon means. Right. And you just don't know what they're referencing and you can't really follow it very well but the noob stream is cast by people like last year they had one of our best instructive casters his name is purge i think i watched more games on the noob stream last year than i did on the regular stream nice and i know how to play dota i watch it like semi-religiously so it didn't confuse me but those casts were just much more interesting yeah, totally. So for people like you who are interested but just think they would get lost, they have that stream specifically so you can enjoy watching this huge event Excellent. and not feel totally out of place. Well, obviously time permitting because I have decided that any free time is uh, completely not allowed at this point in my life. Um, yeah. Time willing, I will definitely try and tune in. And the fact that you're this excited about it kind of gets me excited about it. So um, one more time, remind our listeners when it starts. Uh, the play-in series starts should be this coming weekend, uh, the weekend of the 25th, and the actual game itself starts the weekend of August 2nd. Excellent. Well, we can't wait, and we are going to be tuning in. If you are hearing this podcast and don't even know what Dota is, you need to tune in, because it is, at the very least, if you can't get into playing it, it is still a pretty awesome game to watch. The graphics are beautiful. The scenery is great. The action is pretty intense. It is like you're watching a battle scene from Lord of the Rings, so definitely check it out. Um, oh, the hype is real. Yes. Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love. First off, we want to give a shout-out to our good friend Clint Thiel over at Geek Dig. He is at Vengeful Jedi on Twitter. He's been always extremely supportive of both this podcast and the Bearded Ones pretty much from the start. So we really want to give him a shout-out and also check out his podcast, Geek Dig. I believe it is on Stitcher, just like all of ours are, and all that stuff. So thanks, Clint. You're awesome. Yeah, super sweet. Excellent, dude. What you got, Chris? Oh, uh, I actually have two things. Last week, I know you had a submission put up by FW Fight. Yes, and they were so awesome to do that. And I, yeah. I can honestly tell you, I think it has helped our listenership. In fact, we just got an email the other day from the Bearded Ones, uh, for the Bearded Ones, from someone who is an author that wants us to interview them. And they learned about us through the blog post. 
That's fantastic. So yeah. you got that chance last week, and then um, they actually extended that offer to me as well. So the same day that this episode drops, uh, my submission to FW5 will also drop. Yes, so that's so, FW5.com. Uh, we won't read the blog because we want people to read it on their site, but what's the right. name of it? Um, I, you know, I don't even remember what I called it, but it's about uh, predicting the future of invention and creation through science fiction. Ooh. I like that. See, I haven't read it because I wanted to wait till it was up, so I'm very excited. Yeah, I was actually pretty proud of it. It's just a little piece because their blog posts are, you know, relatively bloggy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing too in-depth, but it's it was fun. It is fun, and, you know, maybe we'll do some more stuff for them in the future. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's what it's and all about. the last thing is I got – I'm in touch with several other podcasters through Reddit because – Reddit does that sort of thing. Yeah, Reddit's great. Twitter's great for networking. If you guys are out there with an early podcast and you're listening to us, do that and, and befriend other podcasts. It, it, it does nothing but help. Yeah, it's absolutely great. And uh, one of the kind of more prolific podcasters runs a couple, actually, that he hosts, but one of the ones that he runs is called the Adam Sandcast, Okay. which is just kind of a cast about movies specifically for Adam Sandler. Uh, pretty cool dude, and he is doing a run-up to the release of Pixels this weekend. Or Pixels. Nice, which is the first Adam Sandler movie I've been interested to see in a very long time. And so he kind of put a call out a couple weeks ago saying, hey, we're going to do this thing for Pixel, and I want people to record a thing about what they think about it. Because it's been met with a little bit of cautious optimism. Yes. So he's like, hey, whatever you think, whoever you are, just put a you know shout-out to your podcast or whatever and record a thing about what you think and I'll play it and we'll talk about it and so I have a shout out on that and he allowed my recording to be played beautiful I think that's actually dropping today as well excellent we may do that on the bearded ones so uh, that was that was really nice of him just be like hey anybody who wants a shout out but and also wants to contribute go ahead oh absolutely very cool so they're doing kind of a run-up. I think he said he was releasing a podcast about it every day up until the release this week. <laughs> uh, so definitely check him out. His, he's got some really good stuff going on anyway. But you can see him at adamsandcast.com. It's pretty simple. And uh, check them out as well. Excellent. Well, so make just sure some housekeeping. Support. Yeah. Uh, make sure to support all those people. They're great people, and they make good stuff. Hell yeah. We're both going to get into something now that we're going to call this section of the show, when we do it, the Geek Rant. No, no, I've decided we're going to change it. Well, okay. It's well, going to be it's going to be nerd rage. Nerd rage. Okay, okay, okay. So, Carissa, what is raging you today? Do we really have time for my rant about equilibrium? Let's do it. This might oh, end up God. being a two-part episode. <laughs> okay, because really, I could rant about equilibrium. So you long. saw Equilibrium for the first time today? Uh, yesterday, yesterday, day before yesterday, this Wait, week. Yesterday. Now, uh, someone showed it to you, and I assume they showed it to you, tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, he knew what we were getting into. Yes. Now, for those of you that don't know, Equilibrium is a movie that stars Christian Bale, uh, made before Christian Bale was really a household name, um, and it's let's just say sci-fi action. It was made in 2002, and they were clearly trying to ride the Matrix wave. Yes. Oh, God, yes. So what enraged you about Equilibrium? What the fuck did not enrage me <laughs> about Equilibrium? It is the worst movie that wasn't 
a bad movie I have ever had to see. Okay, uh, explain that. That's a really good phrase, but clarify. Well, like, there are movies that are B-movies. Right. Plan 9 from Outer Space is a bad movie. Yes. Everybody knows it. You don't However, Ed critique... Wood thought he was making a good movie. <laughs> yes, which is part of why now it is such a bad movie. Yes. Um, but we know that it's bad. We go into it expecting it to be bad. Nobody's going to critique it now for its qualities as a film. Right. You just watch it because it's bad. That's right. fine. Um, movies like Pacific Rim or G.I. Joe, where you're like, I don't really care about film. I just right. want to see giant robots kill giant alien monsters from the sea. Or I just want to see people in powered armor... <laughs> You know, punching Cobra. Like, I don't care what the story is. Can it I just say that I am a little anything. offended, though, that you just mentioned Pacific Rim and G.I. Joe in the same breath. <laughs> I'm not comparing. I also I talked about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, but there are movies that you go to see that you just don't expect yes. anything from. And that's yes. fine. But, like, take The Matrix. Yes. That's not true about the original Matrix. There was a point to the movie. There mm-hmm. were subtle undertones to mm-hmm. the themes that they were you know expressing absolutely the acting was really good the effects had a purpose there was something more to the movie absolutely and they did it but it was very, also very, very, a very kick-ass well. action movie but it was also a kick-ass action movie right all of those came together and contributed to make it the great movie that it and was you can also say as great as the matrix was it was a little derivative but put its own spin on the things that it was influenced by yeah, and see, that's what keeps it from being derivative mm-hmm. to me. If if you take an influence yes. and make it your own, yes. like my music was influenced by the Beatles, but right. what I am is the band Oasis. Well, Oasis right. isn't derivative of the Beatles. They're completely different. Right. Uh, that's fine. <sighs> so... I am told that we should watch Equilibrium because I wanted something that wasn't too serious. Okay. Something. Somebody fun. should have told the people that wrote that movie that. <laughs> yes. And so Kay says, okay, cool, let's watch Equilibrium. Mm. And I said, what is Equilibrium? He's like, oh. oh, I'm sure we've talked about Equilibrium before. It's the one with Gunkata. <laughs> And because at this point I had not yet seen Equilibrium, I thought he was being um... – Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the only movie ever with Gunkata? Well, I thought he was being figurative in saying Gunkata. Right. Because, like, there's a movie with Forrest Whitaker Yes. called Ghost Dog, Ghost Dog Way of, Way the, of Samurai. the Samurai. I like it. Well, and at one point he does that little flourish and like sheathes his gun. Right. Well, and it's cool because it works in that movie because he's living by the code of the samurai, but you can't do what he does in that movie without a gun. Yeah. So the gun becomes his sword effectively. It is one of the worst movies ever made and in fact was number two on my list of worst movies ever made until I I saw Equilibrium. No. Force don't Whitaker tell me I don't. I do. For half the movie with his one lazy eye listening to the RZA for no reason. <laughs> like just forever. It's a terrible it. movie. It's a character study. Yeah. In terrible movie. <laughs> anyway, 
not here to argue about Ghost Dog. Says the person who just defended G.I. Joe. <laughs> G.I. Joe's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a hilarious, awesome, terrible movie. Yes. And that redhead in that movie. Oh okay, my Lord. so... <laughs> Sorry, go on. It's okay. So it's the one with Gunkata. All right, well, you're being figurative, but whatever. We'll watch it. It'll be fun. Sean now, Bean again, is in Was it. this person excited to show you Equilibrium because they love the movie? No. Okay. So Sean Bean's in it. Yes. And, of course, he dies because he's Sean Bean and he's right, in the movie. Exactly. Um, and Christian Bale is in it. And this was 12, 13 years ago. So, yeah, people. Is in it as well, isn't he? Is that who that is? Is it Tay Diggs? I could be wrong. I don't, I don't think so. And then the guy who played Robert the Bruce in Braveheart. No, you're right. Yes, it is Tay Diggs. And yes, the guy who played Robert the Bruce. Which I love him. I can never remember his name. Uh, or at least I loved him as Robert the Bruce. Yes, and he is not a bad actor at all. No. None of the names you mentioned are bad actors. No, that's true. Angus McFadden. Yes. Okay. So we go to watch it, and they're... I don't care about spoiling this movie because no one should ever see it. Yeah, but if you want so to see we it, have spoilers this... for Equilibrium. Yeah, spoilers, whatever. Uh, dystopian future mm-hmm. where the person in charge, it's a totalitarian regime. The big person brother. in charge has decided, the yes, Big Brother has decided, actually, in this movie, he is known as Father. Right. Has decided that the reason that there is bad in the world is because people have emotions like right. fear and anger and hate, which lead to suffering or something. And so they produce this drug, this like lithium Prozac opiate sort of drug and require every citizen to take it every day, like three times a day to erase their emotions. So they're all just automatons. Right. And the story is about Christian Bale, who is the high cleric. Right. In charge of hunting down people guilty of, and I am not making this shit up, Mm -hmm. sense crimes. Right. And exterminating them. Yeah. And he also borrowed Keanu Reeves' outfit from Matrix Reloaded. He did not (laughs) borrow it. He didn't borrow it. He fucking broke into the costume shop and stole the shit. Now remind me, did Reloaded come out before Equilibrium? What year did Reloaded come out? Oh, what year did the Matrix come out? Matrix was 99, I'm pretty sure. Reloaded was... Two or three years later, so right around then. Yeah, but either way, Uh, the two thousand three. It was after Reloaded was after. Okay, well then, the one thing that Matrix took from Equilibrium because Equilibrium took everything else from them first was that outfit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So they they burn all art and books, and no music is allowed. Everything is stone and white metal like right there's no feeling right anything at all and if you are caught with anything like that you are incinerated right. alive mind you for no particular reason you are burned alive <laughs> okay so christian bale is the high cleric in charge of hunting down people guilty of sense crimes mm-hmm. and, and these clerics he... are mega trained like martial artist gun foo they're superhuman, even though they're not superhuman. Yeah. Um, they literally, this was not figurative, they go through gun kata. Gun, gun kata. Yeah. Evan, where 
the reason that they are good at shooting is because statistically they go through the motions where statistically most people are and also where statistically most bullets don't go. Right. So they've mathed guns Mm -hmm. and using math they know where to stand in order to win every gunfight ever. Right. It is ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. Forgiving the fact that if there's a defect in the bullet, let's just say. Or if the person that you're shooting at is, you know, not a good shot. Right. The or only is a really good shot. By the, by the idiot deputy. Because the gun's not going to point where they think it will. Because the person is shitty at yeah. using guns. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Um, but he he goes through something where he learns how to feel. He stops taking his required medication and starts being able to feel emotions. And the story is how his emotions help him bring down the totalitarian regime or whatever. Right. Okay, so that's the whole plot. Which in itself isn't necessarily awful. Yes, you um, could. I would say if I could... I mean, illustrate the, the gun tone for the movie. It's as if 1984, Fahrenheit 451, and The Matrix found a way to to have a child. To have yeah, found that magical secret womb in the anus and had a threesome and then had a baby. Yes, thematically, that is, I think, what they kind of were going for. Oh, not just what they were going for. <laughs> I mean, there are scenes and moments and quotes taken from all of those sources. Oh, God. Directly. Yes, absolutely. But they didn't actually capture any of that. <laughs> they stole a bunch of stuff and then didn't capture the feeling of any of it. Right. Uh, so where do I begin? First of all, your dystopian society. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I will go with you that a totalitarian regime could come to power. Sure. I that's fine. I don't doubt that at all. Sure. Um the way that the totalitarian regime controls his empire is through the use of this drug. Right. Which is apparently according to the plot such as it is manufactured in six different factories. Right. And they have enough of it right. for a, an eternity of thrice daily doses for all human beings. Look, don't 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 harp on that. People just work in double shifts at the factory. I mean, th- they might have robots doing it for all I know, <laughs> but they have enough stuff, like literal mm-hmm. physical things, to make a drug out of to last for an eternity. And this has been going on for a while. A with, while. With for every man, woman, and child, three times daily, right? For the rest of time, right? I'm like, no, you don't. No one has that much renewable resource. That's just ridiculous on its face. But okay, whatever. You have this drug. It's manufactured in six factories, and everybody has to take it three times a day. Does that include babies? Like, I infants? was just thinking that same thing. How is something dosed and safe for infants as well as for adult males? For example, I guess they just give them a test, and if it's not, they incinerate them. <laughs> Probably the parents won't give a shit. Um, so, okay, stupid drug thing, whatever. Okay. When Christian Bale's character starts to feel for the first time and stops taking his medicine, the way that they show 
him uh-huh. discovering human emotion for the first right. time. Which honestly is also, and this is actually something that just occurred to me, retarded. Who hasn't <laughs> had like a sick day where they slept in or right. were vomiting and had to purge themselves of whatever drugs were in their system and had like an hour right. where they felt something because at all? It's but apparently much not. after he misses his first dose that he starts to feel, the right? The very first and only dose apparently Which, ever. again, too, being a person who's on anxiety medication, it takes a few days just to get out of your system you miss one dose you're not or it's just a really shitty drug (laughs) yeah because you can get an over-the-counter well not over-the-counter but you can get a low-grade prescription anxiety medication and if you miss a couple of dose you you go just to say you decide to get off of it it's gonna take days before you feel the effects really wearing off because the point of taking medicine every day is to sort of stagger the effect so that if you do miss a dose, it's not going to hurt you. It's yeah. built up in your system so much that you can go like, a couple of days. Apparently, it can. This drug that they're making, that they have an eternity of supply for, metabolizes so fast that they have to take it three times a day, and it gets out of your system immediately. Yeah. But apparently, no one ever misses a dose. Right. Ever. Right. Like really, except on purpose. And let me just say too. For an emotionless society, Ty Diggs is a very jovial man in that movie. He has we'll get, we will get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. Uh so Christian Bale is like the you know, the high cleric. He's the epitome of what everybody's supposed to be like. Right. He doesn't give a shit about anything until he starts to feel something and stops taking his medication. Right. Then what I think they were trying to do is expl- express how overwhelming it would be to suddenly find yourself human. Right. After having been basically a robot Which, for granted, 30 some odd years. It would be. Would be weird if you have, you are if, literally an emotional infant. You have no understanding of the chemicals that are racing through your body and right. the reactions that Which you're having in itself, to things around again, you. is an interesting It's great. Concept. It's fine. The way that they chose like to, to show that. in your 30s who feels sadness for the first time? Or fear or confusion yeah. or righteous anger. Like those things that we all take for granted by the time we're in our 30s. Right. That he's literally feeling for the first time. Right. Could have been amazing. Right. How they chose to show this, however, <laughs> is that because Christian Bale wears these like leather driving gloves all the time everywhere, he's he takes them off. Right. And just touches things. Right. He's walking up the stairs with all the people going to their automaton jobs and he takes his glove off and runs his fingers along the handrail just the metal handrail right and it it affects him very deeply <laughs> that he's touching the handrail with his fingers i love okay. this nail man <laughs> okay one, hold that, on that's the director's so, cut scene that was taken out as he just stops people on the stairs and go have you guys felt this rail dude hold Look on i have a thing rail so they are chasing after these people who are guilty of sense crimes. Right. Um, and the people who are guilty of sense crimes live outside the little walled, gated inner city in the right. old, burned-out husk of whatever the city had been before. Right. And they have these like hidden rooms, like bomb shelters, mm-hmm. but with stuff in them. Right. Record Music players, and wallpaper, novels, and pictures, art, and yeah, Game things Boys, that represent humanity. I don't know, everything. 
So he goes to this house and they find one of these rooms and he goes in the room and he takes off his gloves. And he he just he walks around the room touching everything. <laughs> just trailing his hand along everything. He puts a record on the record player like yeah. there's an actual like gramophone. Yeah. Which seriously, it's a gramophone? Yeah. It was already the future when this totalitarian regime took over. Why are yeah. there still gramophones at all to save anyway? Right. You would expected him to walk in and find like a Sanyo stereo from yeah, the exactly. mid-80s. <laughs> so there, you know, there are books and there's like a dresser and stuff. It's just an old like a grandma's attic effectively. Right. Which, again, that scene directly taken from Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. When the guy discovers the room for the first time with the books yep. and he doesn't want to burn them. And and so he's he's touching everything and he like – he's just – he's so fascinated by all this stuff he can feel. And I, I turned to Kay and I was like, so when you go off your drug, is it basically that you are then on ecstasy? Yeah, exactly. Because he looked like a raver. He was like, I have to touch everything. Yeah. I'm going to rub this record on my body. That scene where he came up behind Tay Diggs and rubbed his bare chest and nipples on Tay Diggs' bald head. <laughs> that was unusual. It I was very weird. Coming. You would think that would have tipped them off right away. Yeah. Um, so he's... What are you doing, Cleric? Nothing. Nothing. Just hold still. <laughs> so he's... They're doing – he's doing this thing and he picks up at this snow globe and he turns yeah. the snow globe over to make the snow go. Yeah. And then he holds it like really close to his face and I'm just like, lick it. Lick the <laughs> snow globe. Lick it. Lick the snow globe. He doesn't lick it that Aww. we see. Um, he finds something later, flush and it's another cut from the director scene where he's just going pokety, 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 pokety. Later he gets the ribbon from this woman who's like the catalyst – who was just a total foil and was completely unbelievable. Wasn't that She's uh, Emily Watson? Days. Yes. Yeah. She was in prison for several days, and seriously, along with uh, the fitted prison robe and the kind of spacious room that she got, they also gave her plenty of makeup every day, <laughs> like lots and lots of makeup yeah. every day. Definitely the uh, movie had a lot of style over substance. Uh, well, it had no substance. So <laughs> well, Style way over substance. Um, and I'm like, really? They don't do sensing. They don't give a shit what you look like because attraction is an emotion. Right. Why would they supply you with this much fucking makeup? You're guilty of feeling. They're not going to give you more shit to feel. But right. they clearly did because she was so perfectly made up right. all the time. All right. Fine. And once they captured people, why didn't they just like inject them with a liquefied version of the drug? No idea. To get them back on track no if they're idea. emotionless they don't care about rebelling yep except no they're going to burn them alive instead right because that's what you do in fahrenheit 451 i mean equilibrium right so okay so he's like on ecstasy now and feeling everything forever and like licking ribbons and stuff <sighs> listen to a lot of club music that's what i remember for yeah that a lot totally so he put that record on the gramophone in the room, and it doesn't start to play for a while. And then it does, and like the moment the first instrument begins to make noise, the and I'm not talking like it builds for a bit and there's right. like a swelling of emotion. The moment noise comes out of the gramophone, he breaks down bawling on the floor of this room. <laughs> Which again, hand it to Christian Bale. He was probably directed to do that, set it in the script to do that. As an actor, he was probably like, maybe I should take a moment. No, okay, okay, I won't. I don't have to. 
it's I mean, whatever. He did fine with what they gave him. What they gave him was garbage. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm trying to sit here and think of an analogy of that movie and I can think of like because obviously the director and the writers were so impressed with what they were doing that they thought that it was much deeper than it was, especially did since you, it's so derivative. It was almost like see... as if somebody read a Cliff Notes version of Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet at the same time and went, this is amazing. I bet nobody else knows about these. I'm going to make my own story, Hamlet and Juliet. <laughs> they didn't even really try. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God, it was so bad. Uh, where was I? The record player. The record player, and he breaks down crying. Yeah. Um, okay, so he decides, he meets up with the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Who are, you know, rebelling. Mm-hmm. And he decides he's going to help them out, and they say that he has to kill father. Yeah. Which is so subtle, you and guys. And then one guy turns to his dad and shoots him in the head. Christian Bale's like, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. So he's doing this, like, double, triple agent sort of thing. He's right. working for Father to find the Rebellion, and he finds the Rebellion so that he can kill Father, and he's right. going to go back to Father as if he has found the Rebellion. Right. And, okay, Here, here's the thing. Okay. No, here's one of many, many things. <laughs> right. He does all this, and then he goes back to Father, and he's pretending that he is still you know, not feeling or whatever. Knowing what he knows about how, how it feels to be a human being and clearly favoring that. Right. Like he makes the, the decision that that is a preferable state. Right. That what he has been taught has, is a lie and it is better to be human even with the folly of humanity than it is to be a robot. Yes. This is something he's thought about. It has occurred to him that the life that he thought he was leading was a lie and he doesn't want other people to have to go through that anymore. Right. It's a considered decision and it's a good one. It's the right one and it's clearly in line with the point of the movie if there yes. really was one. Uh, what he doesn't then do is fucking take his medication. Right. He goes in faking it as right. opposed to actually taking his medication to continue his double agentness. Now let me let me just be devil's advocate here on this one point. Could it possibly be that he was worried if he took the medication he would go back to being an automaton? Mm. Absolutely. However, having already seen what the other side was like, experienced the greener grass as it were, uh, he could easily have rid himself because he'd been hiding the doses of his medication yes he could easily have rid himself of all but one dose of it ah taken one dose so that he could easily pass a polygraph test for example which he doesn't no (laughs) because he didn't take his fucking medication and was completely feeling everything right uh and just faking it if he had taken his medication, he could have easily passed the polygraph test, but he would already have made the logical, rational, considered decision to kill father and end this you know, web of lies or whatever. Right. So he could then continue with that rational decision once the drug wore off to not take his next dose. Sure. But he didn't. No. Because he was retarded. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate again in a minute, but I see where you're going. Uh, let's see what else. 
Um, of course, there was the fact that there was literally no subtlety to the movie no. at all. Like, none of this shit is undercut by, you know, deeper tones of thematic And by the way, ethos. the movie also teaches you that with all these special skills, in order to avoid being killed when you're in a hallway full of people with automatic weaponry, just crouch. They'll miss you. Yeah. Oh, also, at one point, uh, Christian Bale and Tay Diggs, who ends up being his antagonist, uh, they're in this place. They're raiding a rebellion yeah. moon base or whatever the fuck right. it is. And uh, Christian Bale is trying to, like, on the sly, sneak a bunch of these sense crime people out of the mm-hmm. out of the building. Mm-hmm. And he's running with one of them, and Tay Diggs comes around the corner and sees them running together, and then he th- catches the rebellion guy and throws him back at Christian Bale, who catches him. And then Tay Diggs, and I'm not kidding, they can't be more than four feet apart, <laughs> takes his assault rifle. <laughs> not like his handgun. No. His fucking assault rifle. And shoots the guy three times in the back. Right. Well, this what you guy didn't see who is that, directly uh, in front of Christian Bale in you Christian see Bale's was arms. Christian Bale's inner organs had been trained on how to avoid bullets. Oh my god! And his skin also yeah. as well, and all of his bones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this dude is in Christian Bale's arms, four feet from the muzzle of an assault rifle. Right. Which is a n- not insignificant gun. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and he shoots him three times in the back, and he just, you know, that guy just dies. Like right. the bullets don't penetrate, they don't yaw, Look, they don't I've learned fucking annihilate both all of the those action dudes. movies I've seen. If you want to protect yourself from an onslaught of weaponry, just grab yourself a person. Yeah, yes. Or a car door. Because it'll kill the fuck out of them. You won't get a scratch. So he I love the, the dramatic guy. pauses that you're taking because you I, just can't handle it. I have to it. compose myself because, seriously, I could just start yelling. Like, I know. I don't want to. I know. That's not good radio. I know. But... I know. <laughs> Show me on the doll where the movie touched you. <laughs> um, so the thing about Tay Diggs being all, like, riled up. He's a very happy man for an emotionless person. He's not emotionless. I know. That's the thing. <gasps> Like, but the thing is, the thing is, he and father, Robert Bruce, Mm -hmm. are above the system. Yes. They are also guilty of sense crimes. Yes. And faking it. Yes. But neither of them are faking it at all well. No. Like, the first time either of them is on screen, they are emoting. Right. Like, actively emoting. They're slamming their hand on the desk. Father's fucking furious. All yes. the time. Yes. Like, and Christian Bale is. I just want to thank you all for being zero. a part of this goddamn emotionless society. You yeah. motherfuckers are so good and emotionless, just like me. God damn it, motherfucker. Right. Ah. So Christian Bale is supposedly he's the hero because he's this prodigy right. of knowing when someone is feeling. Right. Like, that's his gift, the reason he's the hero. He knows when someone is feeling. He doesn't know why or how. He just, he's just that good. See it in their eyes. Except the two people that he works most closely with who are there to bring about his doom. Well, and how many times through the course of that movie does Ty Diggs smile, chuckle? All the time. (laughs) He's constantly smiling. Uh, At one point when he finally 
turns on Christian Bale or whatever and brings him in, being guilty of sense crime, Ming. <laughs> he throws him down violently on the floor of the mm-hmm. police building. And is like, look what I did! I captured him! I'm the best! He sucks! Like, dude, calm down. I am so angry right now! I'm sorry, I mean, I am so nothing right now! And no one thinks that's weird. No. Here was when I had to stop hitting myself in the face. (laughs) Christian Bale has just started feeling, and he's out on patrol Mm -hmm. with... Tay Diggs. Mm-hmm. And these rebellion people had been keeping dogs as pets. Mm-hmm. Because only so feeling people this... have animals. Yes. Not like yes. guard dogs or anything. No, like pets. <laughs> no, I mean, but like, that's the kind of conceit of the movie is that yeah. only feeling people have animals as if no one would have a horse or a cow to make milk because it's like oh, people would at least still have guard dogs and trained they get animals. There. They get there and the two digs and the two like fucking beat cops or whatever are like, they have these animals in this pen. I have no idea why they're here. Why would they be <laughs> keeping these animals? Like they don't even fucking understand the concept of right. pets. Like really the concept of pets that just eludes you entirely so they go into this pen where there are dogs, and then they shoot all the fucking dogs. Right. Okay. Just like everyone else with a heart at all, the thing that you do that is the most evil thing that you do in a movie right. is kill a dog. Right. Like, you just don't fucking kill dogs. And they treat this Especially so like casually. Puppies. Yeah. They treat it so casually that it is so, so clear that the point here is... These men are bad men. Right. These men kill dogs. Well, yeah, but what does Christian Bale do? Well, hold on. We'll get there. I know. I'm I'm, I'm leading you. So it's so heavy. It's not even spoon feeding. They just take the these are evil, put it on a brick, and then throw the brick at your face. Oh, it's still spoon feeding. They just carve your heart out with the spoon. It's the most blatant. We don't understand the concept of animal companionship whatsoever. I guess we'll just shoot these living beings because we are clearly evil. Like, that may as well have been the actual lines that they said. Yeah. With how unsubtle that was. Yes. So anyway, they shoot them all except one St. Bernard puppy. Or not St. Bernard. uh, Bernie's Mountain Dog puppy. Yeah comes running and they're big fluffy adorable like they're the best kind of hard to miss yeah so he comes running out of the pen to escape all the gunfire and the crying fucking dogs that are dying and uh christian bale catches it or something right and picks it up and it's like not to mention the fact that the dog is now seeing nothing but these people he doesn't know killing everyone around him and decides to run directly to one of them So Christian Bale picks it up and he holds it the way that people who don't like babies hold babies. <laughs> and he looks at it. He's like, I also do not understand the concept of animal companionship. But because I am feeling, for some reason, I am drawn to this fluffy creature. <laughs> and it like licks his face and it's fucking adorable. And he's all, oh, no, I am about to start crying because this fluffy 
living being has licked me in the face. Yeah. But I have to hide my emotions. I have to hide them. Whereas especially if you've had no experience with pets at all, and a dog licks you in the face for the first time, and you're like, ew, what the fuck did you do yeah, that for? Like, seriously, I love dogs. And yeah. if a strange dog licks me in the face, like, I think it's adorable, but I'm also like, bleh, 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 bleh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's all, okay, I have to hide my emotions. And then the cops are all, uh, give me the thing, I will shoot it. Because <laughs> I'm a fucking evil bastard. Yeah. Clearly. Whatever. So he's like, uh... No, I have to make sure that they're not contaminated. And then he, like, smuggles the dog. And then the soldier's like, so contaminated with what, sir? And he goes, love and cuddles and hugs like, and everything beautiful a, in the world. He makes up this really fucking retarded excuse about maybe a disease or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And uh, smuggles the dog away and keeps it in his trunk. Right. Which also, trunk like, of his sort of disturbs the tone of the rest of the movie because it almost becomes this, whoa, comedy He's like, I gotta hide this puppy. Yeah. Look right? at my hijinks. Okay, so he hides the fucking puppy in his trunk, whatever. But seriously, that point in the movie where it's like, we are evil bastards here to yeah. kill the puppies. Yeah. Because we are evil. Dude, really? I'm already with you. Like, I'm not with you because your right. movie is shit, but I at least understand this is not a likable society. Right. This they is not They might as preferable. well have had a pen of babies. Yes. <laughs> They're like, what are these little things that sort of look like us? Speaking of babies, how the fuck do they procreate in this society? They can't feel clearly because the dude has to like, he basically has an orgasm every time he touches a handrail. Well, I, so how the fuck do they actually procreate? I mean, I would assume they still have sex. It's just not yes, pleasurable. Clearly. It's literally but, like, we must mate now. Bend over. Yes, I, I mean, will mate with you. They're cats. But I have to ask, can you... Maybe I won't make it personal. In general, are men really all that able to ejaculate successfully with no pleasure? Well, like we, with okay. a purpose? We yes. Once we got there, we could do it. The problem is getting getting there. there. Yeah. You have to be aroused. Like I've had nights where let's just say I was aroused enough to get started and then halfway through it was like, "Oh god, I'm not I'm not into this anymore." But I yeah. kind of got to finish. So, yeah, once you're that, you can totally do but it because it really there. is just a signal to your body that this needs to be done. So you do it. But you can't get aroused if you don't have any emotion. Right. Or so what do sensation. They do? Like you could be maybe not feeling it. And I understand that, like, there's an autonomic response. Yes. To physical stimuli, yes, in like a real human male, yes, that you could be like, I'm really not into this girl, but oh my god, <laughs> oh absolutely. Uh, so I get that, but you have to be able to feel that, yes, like that has to actually trigger something within you. I mean, once you get going, you could do it without feeling any pleasure and finish. The problem, yeah, is but how did they ever get going. to that point? Right, that's the problem. I don't understand how this society is supposed to function. Do they maybe skip a dose? Well, then why don't they feel stuff? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, obviously there could be, in a futuristic society, a way to extract the egg and extract the the sperm and create test tube whatevers. They okay, just well, never I mean, we have talk now. about it. So, like, maybe that's how they procreate. They don't actually really, like, have sex, germinate a baby. Right. But the problem is a baby. the problem is as a writer, you should have known that would be a question that needs answering. 
like the whole background of this setting that we're in makes no sense and there's right. no attempt to explain it whatsoever well, and, and if I'm they okay made if this massive if they made this massive concrete jungle but they knew all the people that were the senses were hiding out in these little broken down houses just outside why didn't there's no need for a ghetto anymore why not just steamroll all that stuff because they have to burn it with burning right I don't know. I, well, I just – it doesn't make sense. And I'm okay if you don't explain stuff if it all kind of is explained inherently. Sure. but Or if it is – if it makes logical progression from I, a, a world that I'm familiar with to this world. I don't have to, to have world. everything explained to me, but I also – and I'm not the best writer in the world, but when I have tried to write, I try and think of the big questions. What are going to be the big questions that if I were watching this movie, TV show, reading this book, whatever, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it because the whole time I'd be like, yeah. well, how does how does that work? How does that work? Yeah, exactly. And that is and a big question. none of that ex- was explained. Now let's get to the climactic ending. <laughs> okay. This is where the gun kata really comes into play. <clears throat> First off, let me just say. For a character who was established to be his equal in every way, who was the only guy who could take Christian Bale down, who was really looked at as the main villain of the movie. He was the direct antagonist. The direct antagonist. Um, The phrase, not putting up much of a fight, has never applied so much to any movie I've ever seen. I like, remember, and something... I will say this, this is another devil's advocate thing I'm doing here, Carissa. On a certain uh-huh. level, there were moments of the movie I enjoyed because of the action sequences, which for the most part were pretty well choreographed if you got past Gun how Kata? they were doing the Matrixy stuff. <laughs> I enjoyed some of the fight scenes and the action scenes in the movie, so when he gets to Tay Diggs, I'm like, oh shit, it's going off. And it went off all right. Okay, the, the so earlier in the movie, wah, earlier in the wah. movie, the Tay Diggs and Christian Bale had had like a, a sword spar with yeah. fake swords, right? Um, like Aikido style. They're yes, and in a typical movie, this is setting up the fact that Tay Diggs is his equal and in some ways his superior in this particular fighting style. So you, as an audience member, are thinking, okay, they showed me this for a reason. They're going to have a badass sword fight later. Yeah, or at least there will be a sword fight of wits. Or there, I mean, right. they are clearly opposed to one another in their goals. Fine. Yes. It was not a subtle scene. They basically just come out and say that. Right. Um, so anyway, he gets to the end. He's wearing his dress whites instead right. of his Matrix coat, and he has his katana. Right. Whatever. So he gets into the sense room that Father has, and Robert Bruce is there, and Tay Dix is there, and... They're all they're both like, hey, we can, can totally just, feel stuff. I just want to say for one quick second, I love the fact that we now know his real name and still can only refer to refer to him as Robert Bruce. It's way easier to say. Um, <laughs> so he gets there and the room is is covered in artwork and there are these marble columns and this beautiful mahogany desk and this inlaid gold flooring and it's just this beautiful pal- palatial room. Which also is a problem. Because this guy has constructed this whole society believing these things are bad, or at least convincing people these things are bad, yes, and he obviously them. does not. 
Correct. But I mean, that's not surprising at all. The people in power are always above the law, which is clearly what they were going for. Sure. Uh, so he gets into this room and he's like, yeah, okay, whatever sense room. So I'm here to kill you guys. <laughs> and he takes out his katana and the like six security guards surround him. Okay, keep in mind this is a society where their police force is trained in gun kata. Yes. Now everyone has a sword. Right. The so, main room where the leader of this world stays. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? We spend a lot of swords. money on bullets around here. Yeah. We need to cut the budget somewhere. I know. I'll cut it from my main security force. So these six guys, or however many there are, half a dozen people, give or take, surround... Christian Bale from just out of arm's reach, so easily within sword reach. Right. Which we for Christian Bale, here. <laughs> which for Christian Bale is not a problem because he is at the center of this circle and he has the one sword and could easily reach them. For those six dudes, is the least advantageous way to place yes. oneself because what are you guys doing with your swords? Not to mention the fact it does go back to that whole cliche of what are they waiting for in every. Yeah karate movie yes. ever made if it's not well choreographed you always see the one hero who's supposed to be the badass taking on the 20 guys but there's always the one guy that fights him and the other guys are just gyrating behind the one guy yeah and in, in like well choreographed or real fights that actually makes a certain amount of sense i don't know but i've never thought it does well why it don't like just shit. five of them rush him at the same time <laughs> Um, because it is really hard to coordinate that, and you would end up hitting each other more than your opponent. But he still would have a lot less of a chance than if you attack him one at a time. Mm. But in this case, well, yes, they... and if you attack him one at a time, absolutely. But in this case, they surround him and don't automatically pull out the swords and don't automatically attack. They run at him and then stop. And then stop and look at each other, and so the camera can pan around and he can look at him and smirk or whatever. Like it's just ridiculous. And then he completely just annihilates them. Right. He just decimates them completely. I think I couldn't confirm this and I did not care enough to go rewind it to check. I think at one point his katana cut one of the other dude's katanas. Right. <laughs> that is like I I didn't stop it, but I was like, did he just cut through that guy's sword? <laughs> It is, and we didn't go back and rewind it because it did not matter that much. But I'm pretty sure Hansel that's steel. Yeah. Oh God. So we made fun of that for a minute. Um, he completely just decimates them, and then he's like, "All right, cool. Well, whatever. I just killed your dudes. So how about you suck it?" And Tadex is all big smile, all happy, like, "Hey, everybody, remember me? I can totally feel." <laughs> Uh, not only spoiler, feel, but you I've already been know. I've feeling can, the whole time. Not, not only yeah. that, but I could totally kick this dude's ass as already established. Here we right. go. So he grabs one of the katanas off the display on Father's desk, and he draws it. And, okay, so there's something to be said for subverting the big climactic fight scene sure. trope, like in Indiana Jones. Right. Which, I mean, it wasn't planned, but it no. ended up being, like, the best, One of the best way to do the that. Yeah. Like, the dude's all, flourish, yeah, shoot you, we're, we're done. Like, right. that's awesome. But that was not uh, meant to be the build-up no. fight in Indiana Jones, which no. they did a very good job of, you know, making the build-up moment in Indiana Jones, all the Indiana Jones movies, worth the wait. Yes. Because so subverting is like... things is one thing. Cheating your audience is something completely different. Which is totally what happened if you actually gave a shit. 
I, mean, I wanted to see a cool fight. Me too. I would watch another movie for that. Uh, so they fight for like half a second. Mm-hmm. And then Christian Bale spins and hits him. And they do this, hits him with the sword. Right. They do this uh, anime pause. Well, and this moment, too, this kind of thing has been done so many times in movies over the past 20 years. Yes, but never, to my knowledge, as badly as it was done. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so they do the anime pause. And for anybody not familiar with anime, basically what happens is when the two big opponents rush at each other with their swords out, they pass each other and end up with their backs to each other right. like 10 feet away. And then after a really long pregnant pause... One of them falls to the ground. Dead. Like, yes. Sometimes his upper body falls off his lower body, you know, because the sword was so sharp and fast shoulder. that he yes. cut through the guy's abdomen without the abdomen even moving, but now he's yes. completely severed. Right. So they do this in the end of um, what movie we're we talking about? Equilibrium. Yeah. Uh, they do this anime pause. So Christian Bale does his little swipe and Tay Diggs has done his little swipe and Christian Bale ends up behind Tay Diggs and their backs are to each other. Christian Bale turns around and Tay Diggs is just standing there. You're just looking at Tay Diggs back for like ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then he drops to his knees and you just keep looking at his back for another ever. Right. And then he turns his head to the right. <laughs> and the front fourth of his face slides off of his face. Right. And falls to the floor, and then he falls over dead. Okay. And I'm not talking about, like, his nose. I no, mean, like, no, no, his yeah. skull. His whole face. The front part of his skull, from his jaw to his forehead, including his face, just slides down to the floor. Right. Like two minutes after Christian Bale has sliced it off with his super sharp right. katana, and at least in a with way, the abdomen on top of the legs thing, you can sort of explain it because it's supported by weight. This has nothing holding, and it's real it. meaty and kind of all stuck together. Yeah, this has absolutely nothing holding. And you know, again, there is that whole thing of say somebody cuts off your head and your body keeps moving for a second. That can uh-huh. sort of make sense. He turned his head. Yeah. After standing there forever, and his face forever. had already technically been separated from his skull, which really yes. should have been instant death. Uh, yes, and also should have like. Here's the thing, because, like in anime, it's the razor cut. Right. Because it's anime. I mean, who gives a shit? He. This is like a real life live action human being with right. a real life live action sword, which is not, in fact, an atom's width thick. Right. It is, in fact, like a quarter inch thick or more. But it is Atari Hanzo Steel. Which is still about a quarter inch thick or more. <laughs> so when he slices up through somebody's jaw and up into their head, right. it wouldn't just slice it like if you flossed down through a cake. Right. It would fucking shred the shit, even assuming right. it actually would go through all of that. It would just explode it. Like, And you know what? I believe a katana sword... The sharp enough, done with enough force, could cut someone's face or head off reasonably smoothly. But yeah, you would absolutely. have to believe that the sword cut his face off, and in the millisecond it cut his face off, his face 
separated from his skull, and then magically went back on. But not only that, it's because of that razor thin, it it was still attached a little bit just because it was still stuck to itself. Right. But there would still be a, a quarter inch at the very minimum. Right. Space between the still attached part not of your to face and there the is now this, detached part of your face. Not to mention there is this thing called gravity, which would have taken his face yeah. off well before. Because it wasn't stuck onto anything. The way you saw it fall off perfectly showed it was not attached in any way, shape, or form. There were no tendons. No, but I just mean like, just mean like you know, the blood and stuff just kind sure. of... Sure. It's goopy. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So then he falls over dead, so now it's just Christian Bale and Father. Um, here's the thing about this part. Right. Again, one of so many things. Yeah. That was not the worst part of the climactic end battles. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. What we just described was let, not the worst. Let me just set this up like this before you get into the details. If I have a gun and I'm standing in front of someone else with a gun... I'm going to at least, I don't know, step back so I can get a clear shot and not put myself in harm's way. Mm -hmm. Continue. Okay. So Christian Bale has just killed seven guys, including his one major or antagonist with a sword. Yes. Uh, I believe. And now he is up against, yeah, he's up against the big bad guy. Big bad evil Robert Bruce. Who at this point, by the way, there's never been any indication that this man is a fighter or has any martial arts ability whatsoever. Well, except gun kata. <laughs> right. Like he, at one point earlier, when we actually hear the words said out loud, gun kata, and have the description of how gun kata works through math and science. Oh, I forgot this. It was because He's of the him. one giving that instruction. Right. So Christian Bale discards his sword. I don't remember if he sheaths it or throws it away or whatever. And they switch to guns. The Oh, right. The guns because, which are held on their do. arms on their arms by um, automatic, like, spring-loaded right. arm-to-hand shooter things. Yeah, taxi driver. Yeah, except they're like 45s. Right. And they're just under like just, driver. you know, tailored tuxedo Right. Jackets. Just exactly like Taxi Driver. Right. Oh, he also destroys all of... No, that's later. Hold on. Okay, <laughs> so he's fighting this dude. He gets his guns out, and uh, Robert Bruce gets his gun out. And they come, they have their little, you know, bad guy versus good guy conversation. Yeah, the very standard. Yeah, nothing at all original or new or interesting about it. They talk, and they're standing face to face. Very close to one another. Both armed with firearms, with guns, with handguns. In their hands. Right. Guns. And they start wing chunning with their guns. So they basically, if you've ever seen Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee. Yeah. Do anything very close body hand to hand combat. Which yeah. is all very redirecting. and Yes. Like that's all wing chun. They do that with their fucking guns. With their I, guns. I prefer, you know, you're, you're putting a very technical term on it. I like to call it reverse patty cake. That's great. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> so they're just they're just batting each other's guns with their guns. 
basically. Yeah, it's basically like, stop it. No, you stop it. No, you stop yeah, it. No, you stop it. But I counted because I saw it coming. Oh, it right takes as forever. Oh, it does take forever. But I counted. There are no fewer than 12 occurrences where one or both of them had their gun pointed, not in passing, but having right. stopped the trajectory of the point of their the muzzle of their gun directly at the other person. Right. Like right at your face or directly at your thigh. Like right. it is on you. It is trained on you from point blank. If I pull the trigger, you will die. Right. Twelve times or more, neither one shoots their gun. Right. They just hit each other's guns for five minutes. Right. Really? Well, they each had something really cool they wanted to say and forgot it right before they pulled the trigger. And then the other person pushed the gun away. I guess we could call this... Oh, wait, that's not a good line. Clink! Damn it! You'll never get away with... Oh, that's kind of derivative. Clink! Uh, And that goes on for fucking ever. I would have much rather have seen a five-minute sword fight with Tay Diggs. Totally. And then have him just pull out a gun and shoot the dude in the face. That would have been great. Well, I mean, at least worthwhile. Because it also would have been cool if you look at it like, this is the main guy. This is the big one that they're all supposed to worship and fear. Mm -hmm. And Tay Diggs is the muscle. And once that guy realizes he has no more protection, he becomes a groveling. You know, that would have been more interesting. Absolutely. And also, he's supposed to be this super ultra-powerful dude, and Christian Bale just walks in and shoots him in the face. Yeah. Like, that's that's badass. That's like the Indiana Jones thing. That's yes. cool. Okay. And in order to shatter the illusion of this society, Christian Bale shoots all the computer monitors. Right. And I'm not kidding. Yeah, that's because everyone how knows he... a computer works through the monitor. That's how all information is disseminated and all things in, in a network are controlled, is through the monitors. What I would have rather of... seen is Christian Bale walking through that room, shooting computer monitors, and everybody sitting at the desk going, Dude, now i got to get a new monitor. Well, thank God he didn't hit the hard drive, you know, something like that. Oh my God. Oh, and then in order to finish it, the Rebellion has wired up all of the six factories that make this endless supply of drug. They've all wired them with bombs. And as soon as Father is dead, all the bombs go off. Well, if you had it all wired up with bombs, why didn't you just fucking blow up the factories? Yeah, because then people would miss a dose. There was no way Father could have given them their drug in time for them to not miss doses. And then everyone else would have gone like, oh, this is all bullshit. Yeah. Like, the, and they didn't even say in the setup to when you kill father, we'll take, we'll make sure that this whole thing is destroyed. They didn't say we'll go with bombs. They'll say they said the bombs are wired to the factories. Right. The shit is already in place. We're just waiting on father to die. Why? Once his power structure is taken out from underneath him, he just won't be relevant. Right. Why didn't you just blow up the, the goddamn fact factories? That this whole climactic ending we have just described. Is Christian Bale doing this all single-handedly? Why did it take him this long to decide to take Father down single-handedly when he could have done it the whole time? Well, I mean, he could have just turned to the actually... guys and gone, "Oh wait, you've already got the things wired. Okay, go ahead and blow them. I'll go kill Father. Everything's cool." To be fair, to to this point specifically, this whole movie takes place over like six days. Yes. So, I mean, he does like as soon as they say you need to go kill Father, it's like the next day. 
Yeah, but I mean, as soon as he got that puppy and started realizing, oh, these guys are all assholes, he should have been like, I think I'll go kill father because I'm pretty sure I can do this single handedly. They did. He did say that. And the reason that they that he apparently couldn't is because father doesn't do audiences. He hasn't seen anyone in person in 20 years or whatever the fuck it is. And then Christian Bale could have been like, no, no, no. I don't mean like going and making an appointment. I mean, killing my way up to father. Yeah, because effectively, that's kind of what he did anyway. That's what I mean. Yeah, he should have turned to that guy and said, that's stupid. Father has nothing to do with the effect of the drug. Blow up the drug. I'll go kill him right now and we'll be all good. Here was here was the other point that made me laugh so hard I had to hide in my blanket. Um, so they're gonna burn uh, Emily Watson alive right. because she felt something, which they ended up doing. Right? She died, doesn't she? Yeah, she totally dies. So they're gonna burn her alive, and he is <laughs> he is trying to save her. They are walking her. She's in this like um, sacrificial virgin red robe right. with a hood. Right. Like, it's very fancy for a society that doesn't give a shit about feeling. Right. And they walk her to this incinerator where they just put her in a room and uh, she just stands there and burns to death. That's the whole point. Like, it would have been more effective, too, if they'd have just, like, realized, hey, clothes are money. We don't care if she's humiliated because we don't feel. Get her naked, toss her in the room, flip the switch. Yeah. But no, it was this big, like, get up or, okay, whatever. So he's trying to save her. So he's running to the incineration room. And he runs. And I swear to God, I looked at Kay and I was like, this ship is too big. If I slow down, (laughs) the movie will be over. Because he just runs down this endless circular corridor Mm -hmm. for, uh, for minutes. Like, he's just running. For a minute, and there are no doors, and there's no staircase, and there's no indication. That wait, wait! Don't you remember that part where he, else? Don't you remember that part where he stopped at the vending machine and got a Butterfinger? Oh my God! Like this incineration room, where apparently, according to the plot, they incinerate everyone who is found guilty of right. a sense crime. So, and they apparently do this a lot. Oh yeah. Like a lot of people come down here to burn to death. Not to mention, it was a pretty clean room. It's incredibly <laughs> nice clean. Room. Very clean. You know, I would have liked to have seen him r- running down the hall, right? And then they cut to a shot of Emily Watson walking down the hall in the red dress. And then they cut back to a shot of him and he's running. And then they cut back to a shot of her and she's getting closer to the room. And then they cut back to a shot of him and he's like sitting in the cafeteria having a sandwich. <laughs> and then they cut back to a shot of her. And then they cut back to a shot of him and he's like struggling with a vending machine that won't take his dollar. And then they cut back to a shot of her. And then they cut back to him and he's like playing Uno or something. Right. And he's like, oh yeah. And then they cut back to a shot of her burning alive and then cut back to a shot of him running down the hall. So he finally gets to the end of this interminable hallway with no other doors that just leads to one little like six by six room. Right. Where they burn people alive all the time, apparently. And so they put her in the room and they close the door and they push the button. And then he's like, I'm high cleric. You have to stop. And so they push the button and it's like 10 seconds before the fire. Oh, Oh, no. When they get there, there is a fire burning in the room. They open the door. The fire is still burning in the room. Then they turn the fire off, put her in the room, close the door, push a button, wait 10 seconds, and then the fire starts again. And that's, he was... that, that's that whole sequence of how they incinerate someone. Right. They already have the fire going. They turn it off. They put somebody in. 
they push a button, they have to wait, and then the fire starts again. So he's running. He goes, the fire's going. Why don't we just throw her in now? Exactly. Oh, no. Gets the room all hot. These costumes are very quilty. Oh, and the door has, uh, oh, it's open. Like, the front of it, it has, like, a cutout of the door. It's not a window. It's just, like, you could put your hand in the door. It's small, so you couldn't fit, like, a person through it, but you could easily put your arm in in the room. Right. It's just open. Okay, so he gets there. He's like, I'm not a cleric. You have to stop. Doors closed. They've pushed the button. They're just waiting for the fire to come back on. And they say, we can't. If we try to stop it now, it will explode on the street. (laughs) When they just stopped the fire 10 seconds ago. Not only when they just stopped the fire 10 seconds ago, but also they apparently do this all the time. But there's no way to stop it in an emergency. Right. So their citizens are in constant danger of their town being exploded. Because in this technologically advanced world, they still haven't figured out how to make a fire inside just a room. Or they haven't figured out how to do a safety shutoff valve. Right. Or just, you know, a fire extinguisher would be nice. Yeah. Because if they stop this process of the fire starting, it will, for whatever reason, explode. So they couldn't stop it, but they could just open the door and say, well, come on out, you're saved, and then shut it and let the fire ignite. Or maybe the door being locked, like, hermetically sealed, despite having a hole in it, right, uh, was part of the mechanism. Right. That makes sure it doesn't explode. Right. Fucking, are you... Do you think that I am actually stupid? <laughs> like, actively, completely dumb? Okay. Because this is the stupidest shit I've ever had to sit I was offended by how <laughs> pretend... And it took itself so seriously. That was... So seriously. Again, I'm going to play devil's advocate. And we probably should close the conversation, like, soon. Because we- we've talked about this movie for a long time. But... Yeah. Um, that was my main issue was that it seemed like the writers thought these were the most original, important ideas ever put on film. And had it had more of an overall sense of humor, I would have been able to handle it. Because I didn't hate it as much as you did, I'm going to be honest. I liked some of the style. I liked some of the fight choreography. But every time a scene happened, I was like, oh, that's from such and such movie. Oh, that's from such and such movie. And yes, there were incredible plot holes the gunfight at the end was ridiculous and anticlimactic in a way that I don't think they intended it to be. It didn't make much sense. But overall, I was like, if this had been just a little cheesier, purposefully, I could have said, yeah, it's all right. But whenever it was like we, we had the Shyamalan discussion, when you do take yourself that seriously, when you honestly believe that what you are saying is revolutionary. No one's ever thought of this before. This movie will change the world. Then the final product is almost inevitably going to take a hit because of it. And when you're already that low on the totem pole, you can't take another hit without being knocked on your ass. It was was so fucking pretentious. And it, it... It offended me because clearly the director just thought that I was absolutely retarded. Well, and you know, I don't know, the writing 
was really what killed it more than anything else. Ryder and, and Ryder, same the, guy. The art, oh, well, pfft. That's even worse. I forgot about that. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I forgot yep. it was written and directed by the same guy. So this guy had a message he just had to get out there in the world, yep. which had already been told in a better way at least three or four separate times. Oh, God, yes. And he – yeah, I guess he really thought that at the end of that movie, people would get up out of the theaters, don their V for Vendetta type Christian Bale masks, yep. and descend out into the city and make a real change. Yep. Yeah. So pretentious. Took itself so seriously. Yeah. So unsubtle. It was – it just – I love it when people are pretentious about the obvious too. Like, yeah. that's one of those like, things, too. Clearly, I'm the pre- only one who's ever thought of this before. Yeah, clearly this I'm the only person that realizes puppies are cute. Yeah, really? I'm the only person Shocking. in the world that realizes we shouldn't stop listening to music or reading. Oh, my God. Bring me, uh, can I see your dick, please? I would like to bite it <laughs> off. That's like when you hang out with your friend who gets stoned and then starts telling you what's wrong with the world and the government, and he says... In the most sincere way possible, <laughs> the most obvious things. Dude, dude, come here. I'm about to blow your mind. You know what sucks? Stuff that's bad. Yeah. You know what's good? Stuff that doesn't suck. Yeah. Is that's... your life changed? Because mine is. I think I'm going to start a lecture series. Like... And I don't mean offense to people who are earnestly pursuing this, but the stereotype of the first-year film student. Oh, 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 God. This it's a stereotype is for a reason. a first-year film student. It's a like, stereotype for a reason. That's why, like, you look at somebody like Trey Parker and Matt Stone, whose first-year, you know, attempt was Cannibal the Musical. Right. Which takes just as much skill as a pretentious... I remember seeing a... Uh, a student film one time at a, uh, I think it was a fine arts center graduation and nothing against the fine arts center or anyone that went to the fine arts center. It's a wonderful school, but the most pretentious people on the planet are people graduating from film school. Yeah. And they showed this short film of a guy at a party who sees this woman and no one's saying anything, but there's a lot of lights and a lot of activity. And you just know that they got this one panning shot simply because the director was like, no, people will get it. It's like a Kubrick thing. And then, you know, all this other stuff. And like a piece of glass breaks or something. And then the next thing you know, the guy's like out on the balcony and he turns around and everybody's gone like it was a dream. But he reaches into his mouth and pulls out. A shard of glass. <gasps> and the camera zooms in. Fade to black. Oh, my God. And everybody was sitting there going, all right. So he thought a girl was hot, but she wasn't really there. But the director was probably sitting there going, that's my masterpiece. Yeah. And and this was that. This was a first-year film student who happened upon a briefcase full of $20 million. Right. That is the other thing. Like, I guess simply because The Matrix was popular probably is the only reason that movie got greenlit. Yep, absolutely. Got to ride that wave. Well, that wave ended up being a typhoon and swallowing everything in its path. Oh, my God. It was so bad. Like, I don't get offended. So when I say this, it's mostly hyperbole. But it's offensive how bad that movie was. 
because the concepts of dystopian futures and tyranny a well-worn territory not only that but they're near and dear to people who like science fiction and those people tend to be kind of nerdy and maybe maybe a little smarter than your average movie goer okay what are the big examples of a dystopian future movie blade runner mad max mad max uh, even the something like the Fifth Element. Fifth Element, absolutely. The dystopian future, and all those movies had a different take on it. Sure, and one that they didn't have to beat you over the head with, and one that had nuances and subtlety that didn't. Well, we can necessarily... debate whether or not the Fifth Element had many nuances or subtlety, but it was still a very entertaining movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this didn't. No. It just didn't. It simply didn't. But it packaged itself like it was going to. Right. And it talked to me. Like I was an idiot. Right. It's like when you run into that guy at work who reads, I don't know, a blog from some pundit and then thinks he's really intelligent and wants to talk to you about it all day. And just spits out talking points and doesn't actually understand how those talking points relate to the topic at hand. Yes. Exactly. So my final thoughts on Equilibrium, I wouldn't waste my time with it again. Mm Mm-mm. Um, I didn't didn't fill me with seething rage. Maybe the next time we do nerd rage, I will pick a movie that did because they're out there. Um, oh my god, I've got the perfect example. We can talk about it another time. Actually, okay. now that I remember it. Um, and this my example actually raped an already good movie, so this could be wonderful. Um, but yeah, not a good movie. I think that's an understatement based on the last hour and a half we've been talking. Yeah. Not a good film. I know that most people don't listen to podcasts to hear two people bitch about something that they probably um, don't have I any think interest people in. People only listen to podcasts to hear people <laughs> bitch about what podcast isn't two people bitching about something. You know, that's really not a bad point. Um, Thank you. But honestly, I just I couldn't get past it. As a nerd, it offended me. It right. offended my nerddom. And I don't like it. I don't like it. And I wanted to spare others the trauma. This is actually not a podcast as much as it is a public service announcement. <laughs> a very long, drawn-out yeah. public service It's just you and me in front of a black background going, you know, sometimes you have an hour and a half that you could spend helping someone, saving a puppy, uh, putting out a fire. Or warning them away from equilibrium. The more you know. (laughs) There is a disease sweeping the country, and it is equilibrium. If you know someone who has contracted this disease, they will need therapy and care and love. The more you know. Too good. All right, well, let's wrap it up. These people have good things to do. No, they don't. Well, whatever. They just spend a better hour and a half listening to us tear apart Equilibrium than they would have watching Equilibrium. Yes, but it was better than having watched Equilibrium. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. So on that note, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check us out. Uh, Carissa, remind the listeners of our of our our, our uh, Twitter page, by the way. Uh, we are Lucky10,000 at Lucky underscore 10K. That's one zero. The letter K. Excellent. And uh, we would both like to thank the Bearded Ones Podcast Network for having us on. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) And we will see you next time on the Lucky 10,000. Good night, nerds. 
Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000, with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky, underscore, 10k. And, visit our podcast network site, at beardedpodsnetwork.com.